0: Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchets weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with our senior news editor, Parth Kotak, to talk about some big administrative news of the week. First of all, Provost Forrest Maltzman's time as provost is coming to an end. There was just a new provost announced that he was going to take his place. Parth, what do we know about this guy so far?
1: His name is Brian Blake. And he uh, used to actually work for nine years at Georgetown University, so he's really familiar with D.C. His most recent post was in Drexel, but his most recent post was at Drexel. But uh, he did used to work at the University of Miami under President LeBlanc, who actually hired him to come on as, I think, uh, vice provost originally.
0: So this goes back to the theme of GW hiring a lot of former University of Miami people.
1: Sure, and we talked to Mark Diaz about that this week, and he mentioned that, you know, when officials are trying to fill a vacancy, often they'll look internally to see if someone can take that spot, but mm-hmm. if that doesn't work, before they go out to the general market to search for people, they'll first see if they know someone, you know, within their own contacts who can fill a position when they identify a need.
0: Yeah, and, and when administrators were talking about this new hire, did they have anything to say about things they were looking forward to?
1: Sure. So one thing that we heard from a lot of administrators was that the new provost will, is an extremely collaborative individual, is a, is an all-around great guy. A lot of people are looking forward to working with him on the university's next five-year strategic plan.
0: Uh, and when is he officially taking over?
1: So his targeted start date right now is November 1st.
0: And as well as this being Provost Maltzman's last faculty senate, the Faculty Senate this week featured the brand new chair of the Board of Trustees, Grace Speets. This was her first appearance at Faculty Senate. So what was her opening to faculty? What did, what was her approach?
1: So she presented a little bit about the university's five-year strategic plan, the different committees that President LeBlanc has laid out with respect to undergraduates, graduates, research, and uh, faculty. And her first experience at Faculty Senate, uh, I would say, was a little bit combative. Um, faculty, to some extent, are pushing back against the President's strategic plan to reduce enrollment by about 20 percent and also increase the ratio of STEM students to about 30 percent of the undergraduate body. What
0: exactly were faculty taking issue with?
1: So one thing they talked about a lot was transparency, Um, you know, not knowing how officials are arriving at estimates for the revenue shortfall that they anticipate from the reduction in enrollment, which is, LeBlanc said, somewhere in the magnitude of $64 million over four years. They took issue with the fact that it seems as though officials might downplay GW's traditional strengths in fields like political science, international affairs, law, economics, that sort of thing.
0: So they weren't bringing up really any new arguments, but this is the first time they've had a chance to directly address um, the new chair. Sure. If this is the first time that she's hearing that to her face, how did Grace Spades and other officials respond to the criticism?
1: So she largely deferred to President LeBlanc on some of the finer points, but what we heard was that rather than push exclusively for students to major in STEM fields. They want to introduce a lot more interdisciplinary research, so she talked specifically about introducing um, the study of science into law because you know, she graduated from GW Law School. Another thing officials talked about was having a failsafe with respect to looking at the data to determine whether the STEM push is successful. Um, LeBlanc talked about certain indicators that the university could look at in the first two years of implementing the um, strategic reduction and also the uh, increased push for STEM students um, to make a decision about whether to continue the initiative over five years, which is the original plan.
0: Did faculty seem satisfied with those answers?
1: Uh, I don't believe so. Um, there was discussion of a petition going around um, in order to you know, have officials field more questions about the strategic planning process specifically.
0: Well, thanks for breaking that down for us, Parth.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm here with our health and sciences editor, Shannon Millard, this week to talk about a deep dive with reporting that she just did. Shannon has been talking to students for a couple of weeks now about what it's like to live with a chronic illness as a student on GW's campus. When you were talking to these students, first of all, how many students did you talk to? Uh, I talked to 10 students for this story uh, from all different years and majors at GW. Okay, and what was one of the biggest things that you took away from all of their experiences? Obviously, everyone is kind of an individual and has a different experience, but if there was one common thing, what would you say that biggest uh, outcome was?
2: Uh, Yeah, a lot of the students I talked to said that there's generally good support from both their professors and resources like the Colonial Health Center and Disability Student Services, but they said that there is some variability, so some professors are more accommodating than others when it comes to missing classes or making up assignments um, because of a flare-up with their illness. Also, that some resources like DSS, generally they're able to provide the accommodations that students need, but the, um, they could have more staff um, to more effectively cater to students' needs, whether that's getting private exam rooms or um, extended time for testing or just more lenient policies with regards to attendance and deadlines for assignments.
0: And I guess we should also back up for a second and talk about what we're considering when we're considering a chronic illness. What are some of the, the kinds of illnesses that people were dealing with who you talk to? Uh, there's a pretty broad range. Uh, so they kind of span both physical and mental health. Examples
2: would include um, fibromyalgia, diabetes, uh, specifically type 1 diabetes, um, attention deficit disorder, ehlers danlos syndrome and a lot of different types of connective tissue disorders, which basically weaken tissues in the body that can cause dislocations with joints and also chronic joint
0: muscle pain. So a lot of illnesses that can take you out of commission for long periods of time. Yes, exactly. Going back to how students are living on campus, what is it like for students when they're trying to participate in activities outside of class?
2: Uh, so students have told me that they've had some difficulty getting involved with extracurriculars, but those who are involved with student orgs on campus, and some of them are even e board members of those organizations, said that generally other members of the executive board are pretty understanding if they had to miss a meeting, but it is difficult when a lot of student orgs have meetings later at night because uh, students, especially those with chronic illness, need to get a lot of sleep so they can be functional for classes the next day. So that's a common problem with participation in student organizations that the people I interviewed had expressed to me. Well, I guess
0: the big question with all of this is what are university officials doing to help? Do students feel supported enough or are there some ideas that they have about other things that could be offered for them? Uh, So most of the students that I talked to, they said that especially disability student
2: services is a good resource for them for getting accommodations. But a few did express to me that um, they could use more staff members to either see students more quickly and get appointments faster so they can get their accommodations that they need for classes as soon as possible. So Tracy Boswell, who is the Director of Administrative Services at the Colonial Health Center, said that staff in the center offer primary care for students with chronic illnesses, but also partner with more specialized health care providers to cater treatments, uh, more specifically to any types of illnesses a student might have. She also said that the staff encourages incoming students, especially um, during orientation that period, to submit their medical records to the Colonial Health Center prior to arriving on campus, just so um, staff in the center have an idea of what um, health care needs a student might have. And she added that extending specialty healthcare services to students is crucial, especially for those who might be diagnosed with a chronic illness after matriculating at GW. And uh, Tracy Boswell also added that students can also get accommodations from DSS to uh, support them in their academic endeavors. Well,
0: thank you so much for your reporting, Shannon, and for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you, Meredith, for having me. This week, I'm talking with our culture editor, Sydney Lee, about fashion on GW's campus. What is the GW Fashion Club up to, Sydney?
3: Well, they're actually hosting their first show since the club started, and it's going to be euphoria-themed, so they're partnering with HBO for the show.
0: So how did the students get in contact with HBO? It's such a small club, like how did that partnership come about?
3: Well, a group of HBO interns actually reached out to the club after they saw some of the things that the club has been doing, like hosting their flea markets around campus. So they got in contact with them that way and now they're partnering for the show to promote Euphoria.
0: And what are students doing in the show?
3: So any student is actually open to audition to model in the show. And then members of the club are curating the pieces that the models will be wearing by going to stores like thrift stores and finding Euphoria-inspired items for them to wear.
0: And for those who aren't familiar with the show, can you describe what Euphoria is like, or what the aesthetics are of it?
3: So Euphoria is a new series that HBO just released over the summer starring Zendaya, and the aesthetic is very recognizable. It's a gritty teen drama, so it has cool mood lighting, like, purple and blue. On the day of the fashion show itself, which is October
0: 28th, what can people who are attending look for?
3: Well, the president of the club said there's going to be receptions before and after the show that you can attend, and there's going to be food and mocktails and cool things happening. Thanks, Sydney, for talking to us. Thanks for having me.
0: That's all for this week. This podcast is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Fulvac, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. And a special thanks this week to Parth Kotak and Shannon Millard for joining us.